That brings us today to part number four. We're going to talk today about the Sabbath day. Uh, something that is probably not real understood in our culture, something that I know I didn't have a great understanding of growing up. And so we're going to see how does that apply to us uh, in modern times. I'm really excited to dig into this with you. What we discovered as we started this series is that none of us know the Ten Commandments very well. We are not versed on this. We know that they exist, uh, and we may know some of them, but most of us don't know them. So we are standing up each service and, and quoting these together, reading through them together, believing that we're going to hide them in our heart, that we're going to grab a hold of these principles. And so if you would, would you stand with me? We're going to put these on the screen. The first four are in yellow because those are what we call the vertical, the Godward commands about our relationship with him. The next six are in white because they're about our relationship with others. But if you'll read these with me, number one, you shall have no other gods before me. Number two, you shall not make idols. Number three, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Number four, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Number five, honor your father and your mother. Number six, you shall not murder. Number seven, you shall not commit adultery. Eight, you shall not steal. Number nine, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. And number 10, you shall not covet. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that this was given to us to be a blessing. God, to be a guide for our lives. And so we ask as we approach these Ten Commandments today, God, that we would see them exactly as you would have us see them, God, that we would understand your purpose in this fourth command for us to honor the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. God, that you would help us and empower us uh, to to walk in your very best for our lives. We thank you for what you're going to do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said, amen. You guys can grab a seat. Excuse me. Exodus chapter 20, we find this fourth commandment. And it says this in verse 8 it says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. We're going to dive right in today. Uh, I want to show you two things about this command that are unique, that set it apart from the other ten commands. Uh, And then I want to show you five ways we need to understand and apply this. Um, I I hope you're familiar with the concept, but we'll dig into it a little bit as we go. But a couple things make this command unique from the other ones. The first one is this. This fourth commandment is the only one specifically addressed and removed in the New Testament. The, the other nine commands, you probably understand, are still fully in effect. Thou shalt not steal, we understand we're not supposed to steal, right? Thou shalt not kill, we understand we're not supposed to commit murder. Thou shalt have no other gods before God, we understand those things are absolutely still in effect. And yet, the Sabbath day concept has been removed And it hasn't. I'll I'll explain that and dig into that as it goes. First of all, we told you at the beginning of the series, we're going to look at all these commandments through the lens of the New Testament. Rather than just, hey, these are ten rules that God handed down. What, What has Jesus done to change these, to illuminate these, to increase our understanding of what God was really after? And so we're turning to the New Testament to understand each of these. Well, Colossians chapter 2 specifically addresses the Sabbath. It's not the only place in the New Testament that does, but it's one. We're going to read starting in verse 16. It says this. It says, therefore, everybody say therefore. 
We'll come back to that in a minute. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regards to a religious festival. So when it says religious festival, it's talking about these Jewish festivals that were part of their calendar, the Passover, Pentecost, all of these different feasts that, that were ordained for the Jews to celebrate. He says, don't let anybody judge you whether you do these things or not. So you want to celebrate the Passover? Great. You don't want to celebrate the Passover? It's okay. You want to celebrate Pentecost? Awesome. You, Pentecost isn't on your list? That's okay too. He says, don't let anybody judge you whether you do this or you don't. He says, a new moon celebration, another part of the Jewish calendar. He says, or a Sabbath day. He specifically lists the Sabbath as these part of these things off the Jewish calendar that we are not bound by. We are not required to celebrate or honor them, especially not in the way that they did in the Old Testament. And then he tells us why, verse 17. He says, these are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. So he says the Passover was cool, it was important, but its importance is that it foreshadowed for us that Jesus was going to come and he was going to be the one who his blood covered our sins and caused the angel of death to pass over us, right? So the Passover is good, you can celebrate it, but don't celebrate the Passover without understanding the Passover is about Jesus, Because Jesus is what it's really all about. So let's celebrate Jesus. And he says the same thing about the new moons and Pentecost and uh, the Sabbath day. That all these things are good, but all these things were pointing forward to something that now has happened. So for us, instead of looking forward to Jesus' arrival as a sacrifice for our sins, we get to look back. We get to look back and celebrate what he's done. And so we don't need all these feasts and all these calendar moments to remember that. We get to celebrate Jesus every day. We get to honor Jesus every day. Jesus has come for us every single day. And so we don't need all of these things. He doesn't say you can't celebrate them. He doesn't say don't. He doesn't forbid it. He just says if you don't, you're not a worse Christian. Don't let anybody look down on you because you choose to do this or because you choose not to. We call this concept grace. We are under freedom as New Testament believers rather than under law. We don't have to do this stuff. We can choose to do it if we like. Now, I told you to say out loud the word therefore. There's this classic preacher joke, right? Anytime you see the word therefore in scripture, you got to ask yourself, what's it there for? So why is it there? What, what is he referring to? Well, we got to see what happened before, the immediate context in this. So we're going to go back to Colossians 2.13. In verse 13, it says this, it says, when you were dead in your sins in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he's not talking about physical circumcision there. He's talking about each of us before we came to Jesus, we had a heart that had some stuff in it that didn't belong. And when we received Jesus, Jesus came and cut that stuff away. That's what that's about if you're confused by the presence of circumcision in the New Testament or the Old Testament. Uh, He says, God made you alive with Christ. So you were dead in your sins. I was dead in my sins before Jesus came in, and then God has made me alive with Christ. Then he says, he forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness. If there's a word for 2020, we said at the beginning of the year it was awakening. It might have been canceled, right? Been more stuff canceled in 2020 uh, than probably in history. By the way, that's the subtitle of our Christmas experience is Christmas isn't canceled. Christmas is still on. Even 2020 can take a whole lot of stuff, but it ain't taking Christmas, right? Uh, But I'm grateful for this thing that was canceled. 2,000 years ago, Jesus came, and he forgave my sins, and he canceled my indebtedness. I don't owe anything anymore, not because of my goodness, not because I could do something to make up for my sin, but because Jesus did it for me. 
My indebtedness has been canceled. He says, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away. How? He nailed it to the cross. It's dead and it's gone and it's in the past. Verse 15, and having dismissed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. So it's in this context of what Jesus has done. He's forgiven our sins. He's triumphed over death. He's triumphed over the enemy. He's canceled my debts. Then he says, therefore, because Jesus did all this, don't worry if somebody looks down on you because you choose to have this feast or you choose not to do that feast or you choose to honor this Sabbath or you choose to do that. He's like, don't worry about those things. All that stuff was just pointing to him and now he's come and now he's saved us. Now he's stepped in and he's rescued us. So observing the Sabbath is not a law anymore. In other words, if you don't observe the Sabbath, you're not going to hell for it. Right? If you don't observe the Sabbath, you are not going to be under some sort of curse by God because you didn't have a Sabbath day. Number one, the fourth command is the only one specifically removed in the New Testament. However, number two, the fourth command gets more explanation in Exodus than any other commandment. It's interesting that the only one that the New Testament would come in and say, look, we're not going to hold you to this standard anymore, is the one that they actually give the most detail to when Moses is standing on Mount Sinai. I think that's because God had some great importance in the fourth command. He had some stuff he wanted to teach us, and so he builds on the fourth command. Let's read it in context. Exodus chapter 2, starting in verse 8, says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Verse 9 says, Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. The Jews were so serious about this that if you weren't Jewish and you moved into Israel, you were required to observe the Sabbath. This was something for everybody. It was national law. They were so serious about it that you couldn't even put your ox out to go do some work in the backyard, to do some work in the fields on the Sabbath day. Even the animals had to observe the Sabbath. This was a big deal. It was very serious business to honor God in this way. Verse 11 says, For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Notice that this command goes all the way back to creation. It's not actually exclusively part of the law, from the very beginning of time, from the foundations of the earth, when God in his brilliance, and by the way, this is one of my favorite things about God, is God is creator, God looked into nothing and he spoke everything. That's mind-blowing, right? Like I'm not extremely creative and not very good with my hands, and if I try to build something or create something, it doesn't come out the way that I wanted it to. And God in his brilliance could think all of this up, could think up the human eyeball or, or insert whatever organism here and speak and poof, there it is. That's amazing. And yet God in his wisdom chose to speak everything over a six-day period. He could have spoken it all in one instant, right? He, he could have just said one word and all of it was there if he wanted, or he could have taken billions of years to do it or anything in between. But he chose to do it over six days, and he chose to take the seventh day and rest. Isn't that interesting? That God did that for us. Was God so exhausted from creating stars and planets and rivers and mountains and animals that he needed a day off? I don't think so. 
I don't think God needed any rest. I think God could have went on creating for as long as he wanted to and never lost an ounce of energy. I don't think God runs out of strength and power. Why did God rest? He rested because he wanted to teach us something. So he wanted to model something for us. Sometimes as, as a father, I'll do things that I wouldn't otherwise do because I know my kids are watching me. Right? Sometimes I'll throw on a jacket even though I don't really feel like I need to wear a jacket, but I want my kids to wear a jacket because I know their immune system may not be as strong as mine is and they may be a little more vulnerable. vulnerable. So I'm going to wear a jacket so my kids wear a jacket. Why did God rest? So his kids would rest because he knew we were watching, because he knew we were observing. And so he modeled for us what he needed us to do. From the very foundations of creation, as he fathomed up humanity, he said, look, I want you to rest. You're going to need some rest. This is important for you. In fact, farmers discovered this a long time ago, that they could plant something in a field and use that field six years, but if they take the seventh year off, they'll actually have a greater return. They'll get more product over time from that field than if they use that field every single year. That six is greater than seven when it comes to farming. Now, that doesn't make sense, right? But many times in God's economy, a smaller number is greater than a bigger number, right? 90% of my income, blessed by God tithing, is greater than 100% of my income without God's blessing on it. And God designed the same thing for us when it comes to our efficiency, when it comes to our effectiveness, when it comes to our work. He says, you're going to get more done in six days if you'll honor me and rest on the seventh day than you'll ever get done in seven days on your own. And science has actually confirmed this and has found this. And so while the law of the Sabbath has been removed, you need to write this down if you're taking notes, and you should take notes because it's the Sabbath day. You need to keep it holy. That was a joke, but yes, you need to take notes. While the law of the Sabbath has been removed, the principle of the Sabbath is unchanged. In other words, I'm not obligated to take a Sabbath anymore. I'm not a bad Christian if I don't take a Sabbath. But the reason why God gave the Sabbath hasn't changed. The reason why God designed it, the DNA that he placed inside of me has not changed because Jesus came. That DNA was designed that way from the beginning. By the way, when God made creation, there was no sin in the world. God gave us the Sabbath day before there was sin, before there was a fall, before there was anything wrong. God initiated and created the Sabbath day. This is not a response to the brokenness of the world. This is part of the way that God designed the world to function from the very beginning. I think that's pretty informative. So the law of the Sabbath may have been removed for us. The principle of the Sabbath has not changed at all. So what do we do with it? If the Sabbath principle still exists, but the law does not, we get in this muddy area, right? This gray area, this messy area. How am I supposed to respond to this? Well, let me give you some principles that I believe when it comes to the Sabbath that'll help you to be able to observe the Sabbath, to honor the Sabbath, to get the blessing of the Sabbath without being religious and ritualistic about the Sabbath. So here we go. Number one, you don't have to observe a specific day. You don't have to observe a specific Sabbath day. In other words, in the Old Testament, they had a very specific time when the Sabbath started and the Sabbath ended. The Sabbath started at sundown on Friday. So the Sabbath was longer certain times of year than other parts of the year. Thank you, Daylight Savings Time. Uh, right? We didn't, they didn't have it back then. Uh, but the Sabbath started on Friday night at sundown, and it ended on Saturday night at sundown. And from that point, you were not supposed to do any work. Your animals, your livestock were not supposed to do any work. This was a sacred, set-apart day 
of rest. And it wasn't just the day of rest, it was the day of worship. It was the day where they focused Godward and honored him. Now for us, you don't have to have a specific day. In, in America, we are blessed in that the majority of Americans are off work on Sundays, right? Uh, in fact, I believe about 67% of Americans are off work on Sundays. So for most of us, if you grew up in church, you probably grew up with Sunday being something of an official Sabbath. Like this is the day why we do this. And for me, I grew up in church uh, and when I interned in Oklahoma at Church on the Move, they had Saturday night service as well as Sunday morning service. And that may sound awesome. In fact, it does sound awesome to me now, but back then it was super weird. It was just, you don't, you worship on Sunday morning. Sunday morning is the day that you worship God. That was the day that was set apart. And so the, the concept of Saturday night was, was different for me. The reality is, New Testament believers, we don't have a specific time where we have to set aside. God has given us that grace. Now, for most of us, Sunday morning works out, and Sunday's cool because Jesus rose from the dead on Sunday morning, right? So, so there's, a, there's a power to worshiping on Sunday morning. But you may have a work schedule that doesn't provide for that. Your job may require, you may be in that 33% where you have to work on Sunday mornings. You can have a different day that you set apart as your Sabbath. That's okay. In fact, it's the reason why, way, way back in February, beginning of March 2020, when the world was beautiful and everything was bright, our goal was we were going to be adding a Saturday night service, maybe even by the end of 2020. Now, obviously, that did not happen. Uh, but we want to get to a place where we have a Saturday night service because we believe that God's just as worthy of worship on Saturday night, and there's people who can't. And we want to be where those people who can only worship or can't come to, to service with us on Sunday mornings, we want to give them an opportunity where they can worship Jesus as well. So that day is coming. I don't know when. God's plans have looked a little bit different than I had originally hoped that they would, but that's okay. His plan is better than my plan. We're going to get there at some point as the church grows, as we get more people plugged in. We want to be able to provide that opportunity. So you don't have to have a specific day that you have your Sabbath. It can be Sunday. I think for most of us, Sunday works. In fact, if you're here in the auditorium, you're obviously not at work, right? Uh, so Sunday probably works for you. That's a good thing. There's nothing wrong with doing it on Sunday, but it does not have to be religiously Sunday. Um, doesn't have to be any specific day. So the second principle is this. Your Sabbath doesn't even have to be the same day. Every week. Some of you have crazy work schedules where you work three days one week and four days the other week and your work changes or you're a nurse and you have to work just different schedules and different days and it's all over the place and you work one Sunday a month or maybe you're on call one weekend a month or whatever it might be. If you have a situation like that, you're not a bad Christian. You're not a failure as a believer. There is grace for that. Your Sabbath doesn't even have to be the same day every week. So, for instance, if you work on Sundays every Sunday, then you better pick one of those days that you have off, and that's your Sabbath. My Sabbath is Fridays. My Sabbath is Saturdays, whatever that might be. For me, I work on Sundays every week. I get up early on Sundays every week. Sunday is a long day for me. I do this twice every Sunday. Lots of times we have other meetings and other stuff going on. Sunday is not my Sabbath. I love Sunday. I look forward to Sunday. Sunday's my favorite day of the week because I get to see you guys, and I love it, and I live for it. It's, man, it's my passion, and I'm so grateful for it, but Sunday's not a Sabbath for me. So for us, we try to observe our Sabbath on Mondays primarily. It's not always that, uh, but that's the day that, that we've kind of set aside because I'm off work on Mondays, and I don't schedule anything on Mondays. Uh, I'm not setting up any meetings. I'm not doing anything. Uh, there may be emergencies that arise, and that's where there's grace, right? We're not under law, and if stuff has to be addressed and dealt with, we're going to deal with it and address it. But primarily Mondays 
is the Sabbath for us. So you may have to pick a different Sabbath. That's okay. And if you can't even do every Monday, that's okay. But if you end up having to work on Monday, you better pick up that Sabbath somewhere else in the week. Not religiously, not because God's going to smite you dead if you don't, because it's a blessing for you. The Sabbath is designed for us. It's not designed for God. It's for our strengthening and our betterment. That brings us to number three, which I just said, but let's write it down. The Sabbath is for you. It's yours. God doesn't need me to have a Sabbath. God is just as happy and pleased and joyful whether I have a Sabbath or not. He doesn't need me to Sabbath. I need me to Sabbath. Sabbath is designed for my benefit. He knows what my DNA is. He knows that I'm designed to work six days and take the seventh day to, to recharge. Illustrated it this way before. I think this is a good illustration. What do you do when your internet goes out? You unplug it, right? Why do you do that? Nobody knows. What happens when you unplug the internet and plug it back in? How does it magically come back on when I plug it back in? Nobody knows the science behind that. I don't think there is science behind it. It just works, right? What is the Sabbath? The Sabbath is taking the plug and pulling it out of the wall and letting it rest for a little bit and then plugging back in the next day. God has designed for you to unplug. He has designed for you to take that pause, to take that break. And it's not like 30 seconds like with your Wi-Fi. He's told us how long it's supposed to be. It's every seven days. It's, I think, in fact, it's like 14.7% of your week, something like that. 14 point something percent of your week is called to be your Sabbath. Why? Because you need to recharge. It's for your benefit. It's for your betterment. It's the reset button. In fact, it says this. It says, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. In the ancient world, this was revolutionary. You see, we've all grown up with a five-day work week, and to us that's normal. That was not the norm in the ancient world. They didn't have a five-day work week. They didn't even have a six-day work week. They had a seven-day work week. There was no such thing as a weekend in the ancient world. And so God creates his own people, his own nation, and he says, look, you're going to work six days instead of seven. And I guarantee you there was some, uh, some Israelite, some accountant, some numbers guy who starts doing the math, and he's like, okay, God, but, but if we're only working six days and all the nations around us are working seven, we're going to have a whole lot less than they do. If our army can only train six days a week, but the Philistines are training seven days a week, we're going to get blown out. This doesn't add up, God. How come we're going to come up short? Why would you do this to us? But God says, look, math in my economy doesn't work like math in your economy. And you're going to be blessed by doing it six days, and you're going to be more effective and more powerful and more equipped and more recharged because you do six than they are by doing seven. And this worked. And it works so much that we got to the place where now we don't even have a six-day work week. We have a five-day work week, right? And if you've noticed and pay attention to the news, there's places in Europe that have gone to a four-day work week. And there are movements to take America to a four-day work week. Because what do we do? Anything that was done bad a long time ago, we overcorrect and we do it bad the other direction in our generation, right? I don't think a four-day work week is, is the answer to America's problems. In fact, I think God designed us to work Six days. Now, if you've got a five-day work week, that's great. I'm not saying there's shame in that. If you've got a three-day work week, that's great. But I think that God has designed us to be productive in six days and to take step back from that productivity on the seventh. Our church that I interned at, Church on the Move, they have this concept. They talk about the, the sixth-day project. That for most of us, we work five days. So, man, go, go find a side gig or to use the, the parlance of the generation, a side hustle, right? Get, get, get a second job, something that maybe you're passionate about. 
Man, I love making these things and creating these things. And maybe you get to sell them and, and make a little bit of money off of it. But that's the day to pour into your passion, right? But we're designed to be productive for six days. But here's what we do. We walk in minimum production through our work week. We do the minimum that we can, most of us, not all of us, hopefully. Uh, but, but we don't work very hard. We get off work on Friday night. We live for Friday when we get off work. And then we go party really hard for two days. And we go back to work Monday morning. And what are we? We're more tired than we were when we got off on Friday, right? It's backwards. It's not the way God designed it. God designed for us to work really hard for six days and then to relax and rest really hard for the seventh day. But we relax during the work week and then don't relax on the weekend. And what happens? We're all exhausted, right? We're all just completely tapped out. We're completely worn out. We're at zero all the time. Why? Because we're just not doing stuff God's way. We're not doing it the way that he designed for us to do it. So understand this. The Sabbath is for you. It's designed for your benefit. Number four, set a Sabbath to rest. Pick one. Maybe it's Sundays. For most of us, it can be Sundays. I think Sunday works out really well. Maybe Sunday doesn't work for you. Find a different day. Maybe you can't even set one specific day because of the nature of your work. And if you're in that situation, look, I'm, I'm not putting you down. I'm not condemning you. I think that's fine. Maybe you're a small business owner. My parents were small business owners. My wife's parents are small business owners. We've seen that. There's different situations that come up if you own a small business. But you better intentionally have a day that you're taking off. Man, if you go full go seven days a week, you're going to burn yourself out. You're going to ruin your family. It's not going to work. God's blessing is not on seven days of work. It's just not. And I want God's blessing on everything that I do. I want God's best on everything that I do. I want God to breathe on the stuff that I do. And so it's really easy in my position. Man, we need to call this family and we need to help this family. We need to do that thing. And uh, it's really hard for me to turn it off. And I know some of you out here, it's really hard for you to turn it off because you love what you do. Or maybe it's really hard for you to turn it off because you got a job where you get emails and texts and phone calls all the time. If you're in that position, you got to be really intentional. I'm going to set some boundaries. And here's the stuff. My, I think my wife mentioned this a few weeks ago, but my father-in-law, he runs his own business. He does not answer phone calls on Sundays. He just won't. And what does that mean? It means he's probably lost some work right? I means there's probably some business that went to his competition because he chose, I'm not taking this call. But you know what's happened? God has blessed his business because he's chosen. I'm going to set this day apart. I'm going to rest. I'm going to spend this time with my family. I'm going to worship. I'm going to go to my church and I'm going to serve and I'm going to be in ministry and God's blessed him for it. Six days with God's blessing is a whole lot better than seven days without and the Sabbath is a blessing. So pick one. Set it to rest. If it can't be the same day every week, just be really intentional about, hey, this week my Sabbath is going to be this day. If I've got to step in and do something on this day I was supposed to be off, I'm going to make up for it over here. Make sure you have a Sabbath. And then number five, use the Sabbath to refocus your walk with God. Use the Sabbath to refocus your walk with God. Here's what God understands. You don't just need rest. You need him. That's why Jesus says, I'm the bread of life, right? Like, what, what makes us feel more rested and more comfortable than going to Olive Garden and getting some bread, right? Man, just bring that. Just keep it coming. Man, let's, let's just have another batch ready, server. Like, just keep it rolling, right? There's just something about the power of bread. It's resting. It's comfortable. That's why they call it literally comfort food, right? Jesus says, time with me is bread of life. 
what does it do? It recharges us. It strengthens us. It re-energizes us. And so God didn't just call us to have the Sabbath set aside for rest, although rest is very important. If we look again in Exodus 2, verse 9, he says, Six days you shall labor and do all your work, no other work, outside of those six days, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. So it's not just a Sabbath for me to rest. It's a Sabbath for me to reconnect. Because God understood this. You're going to go to work and deal with that crazy boss. Or deal with those negative coworkers, Or deal with those awful customers. Or whoever it is that you have to deal with at work. And some of you are like all three, right? Two hands and a foot. Count me in all those categories. You're going to have to go deal with all that junk. Five days a week, six days a week, whatever it looks like. And yes, you're going to spend time with me. And yes, you're going to pray. And yes, you're going to have me involved in your daily life. But you're going to get to a point where you need a little bit more. So I've designed that every seven days, you're reconnecting with me. Every seven days, you're refocusing. You're gathering with other believers and worshiping me together. You're setting aside time where, man, I am the focus of your life. And if you do that, you don't just rest, but you refocus. You're going to go back to work Monday morning, and it's going to look different. You're going to go back to morning refreshed. You're going to go back to Monday morning full of the Holy Spirit. You're going back to the morning on mission and focused on what God has for you to do, not just going back Monday morning saying, man, I wish I could quit this stupid job, right? I'm not saying there's never a time where God's going to move you or open a new door, right? Sometimes you're in a miserable situation, but most of us are miserable, and we don't need to be miserable. We're miserable because we're not acting on the principles God has put in place for us. That we'd rest on the seventh day, that we'd refocus every seven days. This is one of the dangerous things about our culture and our generation is we're getting to a place where where a lot of people attend church about once a month. They attend church, you know, when when it works for my schedule, when it fits. And for some of us, again, if you work on Sunday mornings, I get that. But man, there is something that happens when we come and gather together and worship God together. And you may not feel it in the moment. It may not be every Sunday where you walk out of here ready to take over the world. But God is doing something. It's an act of faith. We're trusting him that, God, I need this. Not only do I need this, God, but I know other people need me. And I'm going to be around them and I'm going to rub shoulders with them, not literally in COVID because we're not touching each other, right? But, but, but we're going to get in each other's life and we're going to impact one another. And if it can't be on Sunday morning, that's okay, but I'm going to find a day when it can. I'm going to find a day where I can be in a, in a small group. I'm going to find a day where there's a, a service I can be a part of. I'm going to find a day where I can refocus on my walk with God and look at him and marvel at his glory. What is the Sabbath? It's the Sabbath, a reminder of creation. It's a reminder that in six days, God spoke all of this into existence. And on the seventh day, he rested. And when I come back to the story of creation, when I come back to marveling at the power of a God who can sit on the throne and speak and boom, galaxies form. It reminds me I don't have to be in control. Reminds me, it's okay that there's some things and some chaos in my generation that I don't understand. And there's some things that are happening that I wish would go away. But you know what? I know the one who's on the throne. I know the one who created it all. And I know he is good. That's what the Sabbath does. It gives me rest. And it allows me to refocus on him. Many of us have grown up with some sort of a semblance of a Sabbath, but not understanding the power of it. So here's my challenge. Here's my homework this week. Embrace the power of the Sabbath. 
Embrace the power of rest. Embrace the power of refocusing on God on that day. Lean into it. Man, grab a hold of it. And this is for me as much as anybody else. This is of, of the Ten Commandments, this is probably the one that I'm the worst at. So I am not up here preaching the power of the Sabbath as somebody who's walking in the power of the Sabbath. I'm somebody who's preaching the power of the Sabbath as somebody who's studied it this week and looked at it and realized that my life falls short. And I don't say that with pride. Because I want to always get up here and tell you the power of doing the things God, the the way that God designed us to do. But I'm not going to stand up here and lie to you either and act like I got it figured out when I don't. I'm short in this area, but I'm pursuing God's best. I'm believing for God's best. I'm believing for the power of rest and the power of refocusing on his best in my life. And I invite you on that journey with me because the Sabbath is a blessing. It's not a burden. It's not something we have to do. It's something we get to do. And when we grab a hold of it, man, it breathes God's presence into 